So we are in the middle of a series, uh, as you all know, if you've been here for the past couple of weeks, communicating with God and being taught by the Master, Master being Jesus, of, of how we talk to God and how we can continue to approach the Lord and how we continue to have those conversations. And we used the Lord's Prayer as kind of our guide, because Jesus says to his disciples, you know, when you pray, pray like this, and, we, and walked us through this whole, this whole prayer. We're, we're here right now at the end. Uh, and it's the, uh, the, this is not the end, we have one more <laughs> message in this series, but we're at the end of the actual prayer that happens uh, scripturally, which is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some commentators would split this petition up uh, into two, that there would actually be a total of seven requests versus six. Other commentators would keep these two together. For our purposes, we're going to keep them together, and then Jerry will come up uh, next week and give us the ending that the church has added to this prayer, which is, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. So, what I normally do when I start this, these, uh, she is feeling the feels out there. She's like, listen. <laughs> so, when I, what I normally do when I start uh, sermons off is there's always a fun little introduction, but, and it ends with a, a phrase, something that I want you to remember throughout the entire message, because I usually, that's mostly what anyone's going to remember. All the other stuff is just kind of extra. But I'm going to start with that today. So we're going to start with the fun little phrase. Get out your pens. If you have, your, if you have a bulletin there, write this down. You're going to want to remember it. Here it is. You ready? Stella's over there. So there's someone else too. In the first service, it was Kathy Lehman. She was there with pens on hand. You at home, if you got pens on hand, great. A pluses. Here it is. B A one three tree. Feel the anointing of that, everyone. Be a one, three, tree. Say that with me. Be a one, three, tree. What in the world does that mean? So one, three, obviously we use our powers of deduction. I'm quoting something from scripture. And what I'm quoting is from the book of Psalms, Psalm 1, if anyone's familiar with that. If not, please take out those Bibles in the back of the pew, open up to page 528, because I'm going to read it to you. Where I discovered Psalm 1 was not necessarily in my seminary studies or on my own. Where I discovered Psalm 1 was when I was a director of, of youth ministries in Fleming Island, Florida. Uh, there was a, uh, um, a contemporary worship band that was really, really popular. It was Casting Crowns. Now, if you know Casting Crowns, you know they're great, right? I love going, love me some Casting Crowns. That Jordan has told me that Casting Crowns now makes me old, which I don't understand because it just, I just don't like that, you know. But Casting Crowns had a song called slow fade, if you've ever heard this song. If not, download it, listen to it, and it's great. There is this, this chorus in a slow fade that leads us to Psalm 1 or comes out of Psalm 1. The powerful lyric is this. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray and thoughts invade, choices are made, and a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. And the writer of this, Mark Hall, said he got this from his study of Psalm 1. If you start out in Psalm 1, verse 1, it says this. Blessed is the man who walks not. So this is blessings. This man is blessed because he doesn't do this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. 
And what Markov and Castor-Crown said, what he saw here was a slow and gradual fade into sitting in the arena, sitting in the room with sinners and wicked people and scoffers. That when we give ourselves away into sin and temptation, it is in some ways a very slow fade. We see ourselves walking with this idea and kind of contemplating it. We see ourselves stop moving and we stand in that, that situation, and then automatically we begin to sit in this temptation and be in the seat and in the assembly with these wicked folks. That's what a blessed man is not. What a blessed man is, and woman, is this. Their delight is in the law of the Lord, verse 2. The law being the Torah. That's what that word in Hebrew is, Torah. means the first five books of our, that's what we know the Torah to be. Torah means law. And that is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Thank you, confirmation, right? That's what those are. His delight is in the law, in the word of the Lord, really. And on his law, he meditates, chews, bees with, thinks about day and night. He is like a tree, Psalm 1-3. A blessed man and a woman is like a tree. Our message today is be a, be a one three tree who delights in the law of the Lord, meditates on it day and night, and then does this. It's planted by streams of water, planted, rooted, that yields fruit in its season, and that its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so. They are like chaff, like weeds, that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not now stand in judgment because they're busy standing in the, in the way of sinners. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What does this have to do with the Lord's prayer and the sixth petition of, O Lord, Lead us not, do not let us be led into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What I am saying is, I think Jesus teaches us, in order for us to flee temptation, in order for us to not be in the snares of the evil one, be this blessed person, be this one three tree who meditates day and night on the law of the Lord, the word of God, and is planted and rooted constantly by the stream of water, that wellspring of life that allows us to produce fruit, that allows us to not wither and to stand strong, to prosper. Matthew Henry in his commentary says this about meditating on the word day and night. To meditate in God's word is to discourse with ourselves, to have this conversation constantly concerning the great things contained in that word with close application of mind and the fixedness of thought. Meaning we're not going to think of anything else. We must have constant, continual regard to the word of God as the rule of our actions and the spring of our comforts and have it in our thoughts, and I would say in our hearts, night and day. For this purpose, no time is amiss. The Lord's Prayer, Petition 6, Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, is a plea for help to avoid the areas and arenas of temptation and to be free from the clutches of the evil one. And as always with this message series, when I've had the chance to preach on these petitions, how I go about it is I ask the test the text. Why? Why? Why does Jesus teach us 
to talk to God in this way? What is the end game here? To say to the Lord, please lead us not into temptation. Don't let us be led into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. The answer today, I think, is via one three treat. Now let's dive in. I feel that this petition, which is very interesting, the sixth petition at the end of the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, stands in great contrast or great harmony to the beginning of the Lord's Prayer that starts with God in the heavens. The Lord's Prayer starts with God in the heavens, but then ends with us being very, very close to and susceptible to the evil one. In fact, that's why the, the church added for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, because the evil one ending this communication with God was a real downer for the church. Why would you end with the evil one? That doesn't preach. Let's add some niceness things here so that we can continue on. But Jesus, very important, this is how he orders it. And I think he orders it this way, ending with this plea to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And let's look at him in two parts. Because it is lead us not into, t- into temptation is a confession almost. Yes, it's a request, but is it not a posture question? Lead us not into temptation because we, as a one-three tree, we are always susceptible, always susceptible to withering. We are. And the reason being is because we know Adam and Eve, they ate the apple, big oops, and now we're in this world of sin, and the sin's curse is, is laid on us. We just talked about all that in that song, in Christ alone. We're always susceptible to giving in to the ways of temptation. That's just the way we are. That's what is happening on this side of heaven. But thanks be to God, he doesn't leave us there. He does give us help to get through these ways of temptation. And that's what the one three tree teaches us. The way to get through the ways of temptation is to meditate on God's law, God's word, day and night, to be planted by the stream of water who is the Lord and who continually get that nourishment, get that truth, get that conviction to help us say no to these temptations that are before us. Because the way that temptation works is that once you have just a little taste of what it is that you are being tempted by, you want more and more and more of it. And the evil one, the devil, knows that. The more you taste of that, the more your heart's going to be like, I want more of that. And then when that doesn't satisfy, you up the ante. And you continue to go on and you continue to dive deeper and deeper into these temptations and these things that you are desiring that are not of God. You totally forget that you're a one-three tree. In some ways, you uproot yourself and you get away from the streams of water and now you're just out in the desert trying to be a tree with no water or life whatsoever. And you begin to wither. So the answer of why is Jesus is telling us that you can wither. And so you need the help of lead us not into temptation because on your own, you're not going to be able to do it. In the movie, The Chronicles of Narnia, excuse me, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is a part of The Chronicles of Narnia, this is shown very well. Have any of you ever seen this movie? Hands in the air. Read the books? So in, in the, the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, which I read in elementary school, and I'm actually kind of sad that I did. I read them again in seminary, and they were fantastic. I'm like, I'm reading these to my kids. When I was like third grade me, 
in my room trying to read the language in the wardrobe the day before it was due. I, I, didn't, I didn't understand anything in this book. But in this book, there is the white witch who is definitely the embodiment of the evil one, the devil. And she crowns herself queen of Narnia. There's no queen of Narnia because Narnia, the king of Narnia is Aslan, who's Jesus, and everyone knows that. But she's just, I'm queen. And the four protagonists, Edmund, Peter, Lucy, and Susan, they are prophesied all through Narnia as they're going to be coming. And they're called the kings and queens of Narnia themselves as well. And she knows this. And so Edmund and Lucy find themselves now through the bureau into this land. And the white witch comes upon Edmund, who's very weak. Oh, he's withering. And she begins to pray in on who he is and begins to readily recognize that he doesn't care for his older siblings, especially Peter. And then so she begins to earn his trust. She says to him, you look hungry, you hungry. And Edmund says, yes, I'd love some food. What would you like? And he says, Turkish delight. There he is, that's the scene. I don't know what Turkish delight is. Jerry's had it because our former pastor here who's now gone on to glory, Jack Watson, gave it to him. It looks yummy. But anyway, so he asks for Turkish delight and he takes a bite. And when he takes a bite, if you actually read it in the text, in the book, he takes a bite and that's all he wants. All he wants is more Turkish delight. And so he eats everything that is there. You would think that his stomach would be just sick from all these sweets. He doesn't care. He wants more. And while the white witch is talking to him, she says to him, listen, I'm not going to give you any more. I want you to go and get your brothers and sisters and bring them where? To my house. You see though there through the, through the mountains? My house lays right there. You bring them here to me and there is rooms full of Turkish delight and he's just a happy boy. Yes, Turkish delight, I will do those things. And the white witch says this to him. Now listen, you talk to anyone else in Narnia, they're going to say that I'm evil. Don't believe them. They can't be trusted. Yes, got it. So then he runs into Lucy, his younger sister, who says, hey, beware of this white witch. I'm glad you're here, but don't talk to the white witch. She's evil. And he's like, he realizes this, realizes that this is the one that whom he was talking to, but doesn't care. He doesn't believe Lucy and all he is consumed with, all he wants is more Turkish delight. And he will betray his family, and he will betray everything that he knows just to get more. Such a vivid picture of how temptation works. And so Jesus teaches his disciples and us that in this world that you are in, you need the first part of this request. Oh, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Please help us because on our own, we are a withering tree. But by you, O God, with you, O Lord, by the streams of water, that tree that's planted there, we will have fruit in its season. We will not wither when we're not in season and we'll prosper in everything that we do. The Gospel of John, John chapter 15, 1 through 11. I won't read it to you. You can look at it if you'd like. Jesus re kind of teaches this idea to his disciples, but instead of trees, he does the whole vine and branches thing, if you are familiar. He says to the disciples, I'm the vine, I'm the source. You are the branches, and you will bear fruit as long as you stay with me as the vine. But if you get off of this vine, you're going to be gathered up 
like the weeds and, and just let the wind take you. But you stay with me. He says, abide in me and I abide in you. And if I do that, I also abide in my Father in heaven. I listen and obey his commands. And because you are with me and I with him, you too can listen and follow in the Lord's commands. It's like a tree that's planted by the water who bears fruit, whose leaves do not wither, and prospers in everything he does. O Lord, lead us not into temptation. Let us be a one-three tree that is always abiding with you and remaining with you and getting that life, that source that comes from the stream, which is meditating on your words day and night. What we know about the Holy Spirit, what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts if we profess a faith, faith in him. And so the Holy Spirit makes his home in our hearts. And while he's in home, residence in our hearts, continues to convict our hearts of the truth of the gospel so that when we are faced with whatever Turkish delight that we may have, for me, it's Cynthia Bolton's apricot bars. Have you ever had them? Listen, when you're on a low-carb diet trying to not be into the ways of temptation, she comes in with those apricot bars. That's Turkish delight. But whatever those are for you, the Holy Spirit is there and convicts your heart of what the word, the truth, and so we can fight off those temptations. Let's be a one-three tree. And then the second part of this petition, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The evil one, specifically. That one was a mind game for me. Because what I know on this side of heaven, this side, uh, excuse me, this side of the cross, what I know to be true, and what all you know to be true if you've professed a faith in Jesus, is the evil one, the devil, because of the cross, stands defeated. He has lost. He has no, no power over us in terms of the end game of death and life. And so Jesus here before the cross is teaching to say, deliver us from the evil one. And this is why. Because if the first part is a confession, this end part is a great assurance of faith. We are delivered out of the snatches of the evil one, out of the snatches of the white wish and her Turkish delight because of how Jesus has conquered Satan. Ultimately in the cross, but also before this prayer was even taught in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus enters the ring with the tempter, the evil one, and he is rightfully, the evil one is defeated. We can be assured that the Lord will answer our prayer of deliverance from temptation and deliverance from the evil one because of how Jesus already succeeded in doing this. Open up Matthew chapter 4. So if you look at Matthew chapter 4, there is this great passage in here called the uh, temptation of Jesus. You may have seen it before. Now, thousand foot level, what has happened? So at the end of chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized. And after he gets baptized, so great mountaintop experience, right? This is my son, who, you know, all the things coming down from heaven, right? Then Jesus, it says in Matthew chapter 4, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by whom? 
the devil, the evil one, right? So it's not God is not tempting Jesus. The spirit is bringing Jesus to this place in the wilderness. And now he's going to enter into this ring with the evil one, the tempter, the devil, to be tempted by him. And what's happening at the thousand foot level here, it's easy to look at the temptations of Jesus in Matthew 4 and take from it and say, well, this is how you, how you fight temptation. Just do what Jesus did. And that's true. But bigger and more epically speaking, what Jesus does here with the devil completely undoes the Garden of Eden. Let's see. Let's look at what this is. Know this. Because it's always interesting why the devil enters the ring with Jesus in the first place. The devil does not want Jesus to win. If Jesus wins right here out the gate and ultimately with the cross, if Jesus wins, then the world gets reset to default factory settings the way it was supposed to be. There's this great movie called Wreck-It Ralph if anyone's ever seen it. Anyone ever seen Wreck-It Ralph? Yes. So Wreck-It Ralph, real quick, Spoil alerts abound, but it's been out for a while. Go watch it. Get Disney+. Plus. Anyways, so Wreck-It Ralph is this movie. Ralph is a part of a video game, and they're all in an arcade. And he is in his own video game. He's the villain in his video game. He, he, he doesn't want to be. He wants to be treated nicely. And so he wants to go find a gold coin that will allow him to be with the good people in his game. And this is, I mean, we don't have time to go on. Just go with me. So he leaves his video game and tries to try, goes to try to find a gold coin. And the best way he can do that is possibly win a race in another video game. And so he goes to another video game called, what was it back there? Sugar Rush. Sugar Rush. I got it wrong the first sermon. Sugar Rush. And he goes into Sugar Rush, and it's this go-kart racing game. And the leader of the go-kart racing game is this guy named King Candy. And right away, as you're watching the movie, you're like, I don't trust you. But anyway, so here's King Candy, right? And he has created this world. And all of the other racers, the characters in the game, they think he's the king, and they're racing. And then there's this minor character, character called Penelope von Schweetz. And they actually call her the Glitch because her computer program glitches, and she's weird. And so everyone makes fun of her, and they don't like her, and the king won't allow her to race. Because if she races, we find out, her computer code gets reset, and the game gets reset. She has to win. If she wins, she resets the entire game. And all the characters then remember that she is the rightful regent of that game. She is the princess of that game. She is the one that, is that, that the game is named after. And everyone returns to factory settings. The devil looks at Jesus as the glitch in the system. If he races and wins, it undoes everything that he's worked so hard to try to manifest and fabricate. And so we go into the wilderness and we go into this wrestling match. Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4. The devil goes after Jesus' weakness. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and he's hungry. And so the devil says to him, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, look at these stones, make them bread. 
Now, you know Jesus is hungry, and I'm sure he's probably thinking, I could possibly do that, and a French baguette would look great right now. But he does not do that. He says back to him, I want you to pay attention to Jesus' replies. There are three temptations. Watch how he replies. He says to the devil, verse 4, it is written. He's quoting scriptures. He's quoting from Deuteronomy, which is, da-da-da, the law. He's being a one-three tree who delights and meditates on the law day and night. And he says to the evil one, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the devil's like, okay, dang, that didn't work. Let's try this. And so he brings him to another higher place. And he says to him, to, to Jesus, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down. And then Satan, the devil, says this, for it is written. He quotes scriptures. So if the first temptation is going after Jesus' weakness, the second one, the devil's like, I'll go after your strong point, your, your authority on the very word of God. And I know it. I know it's written. And it says this. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. So go ahead, Jesus, throw yourself down. Because you can command these angels to, to, to lift you up again. I know it because it is written. And then Jesus looks back to him and says, but it's also written that you shall not put your Lord God to the test. Jesus shows us all that the way that you interpret Scripture is with more Scripture. You don't lift a piece of Scripture out and try to have that as being your sole purpose and your stance and your platform. Many zealots in our world have done that. They've taken a piece of Scripture and said, this is it, and then have led many movements that are not of God whatsoever. So he goes after his weakness, make bread, goes after his strength. I know the word of God too. And then the third brings him to the highest point that he can bring him up. And he basically says, I know that you're here to glorify the Lord. I know that you're here for that. So I'll give you all of the glory here. All these kingdoms, these people, you may have it. You can have it now. All you got to do is bow a knee and worship me. So the third temptation, he goes after Jesus' purpose and calling. And says to him, I know you're here to, to be like God, to be God in the flesh. I know you're here to do all that. That can happen now. We can basically circumvent the cross altogether. You can have that now. Bow and worship me. And what does Jesus do? Does he do that? No. The third way he fights back is, it is written. And he quotes scripture back to Satan and says, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then tells Satan to be gone. And the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to, to Christ. So if we were to look at this of how we fight temptation, we fight temptation by being a one-three tree, by delighting and meditating on the word of the Lord day and night, just like Jesus did. It is written, it is written, it is written. He uses the very weapon of the word of the Lord to fall, to have the defeat of the devil right there and then. But then ultimately what is happening here too is Jesus as the second Adam is reversing Eden. If you look at Genesis 3, 6, this is after the serpent has done his temp tempting and this is just before they get ready to, to eat. And it's important you keep Adam and Eve here together. Adam is with her there. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, when Satan tempted Jesus, what was the first temptation? Food. You're hungry, make bread. Adam and Eve are now ready to eat this apple, and they're going to do it. The second, and it was a delight to the eyes. This one's a little trickier. You have to go back a little bit in Genesis. When the devil tempted Adam and Eve about what God had said, surely God has said this. Eve responds back correctly with what God said, that you shall not eat of this tree, for you shall die. That's not a delight. But now here, ready to give in to temptation, ready to find herself in the house of the evil one, they say what? Oh, that tree looks great. And so therefore we, we mess up the word of God here with Adam and Eve. And then lastly, was desired to make one wise. The devil says to them, you will be like God if you eat this. He said to, Saint, he said to Jesus, you can be like God. You can have all the glory in the world if you just bow to me. And Jesus rightly quotes back, you only serve God alone, not you. Be gone. And Adam and Eve took the fruit and ate, gave it to her husband, and he ate as well. And thus, here we are. Before the cross even happens, the ultimate victory, Jesus shows that the devil has no power against him. None. And so I say to you, when you pray this prayer, Lord, lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Remember that in the world of constant temptation, in the world of constant schemes to get us to mess up and denounce God, in the world of constant ways that we treat each other badly, in the world of all that, do not give the evil one any power whatsoever because he stands defeated. Why would we give him a leg up in any of that? And the only way that he gets a leg up is when we don't listen and when we don't recall the word of the Lord and we don't recall the truth. Because instead of being a one-three tree that's planted by the water and receives that constantly or being like a branch to Jesus' vine that stays with him and abides with him and receives that nourishment constantly, we fall every time. So lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Be a one-three tree, my friends. Find your roots planted firmly by the stream. See the fruit that comes from that, the leaves that won't wither. We may bend in our seasons of trial. We may even crack a little bit in our seasons of trial, but because of what Jesus has shown here in defeating Satan, both in the wilderness and on the cross, we will not crumble. We will not wither so long as we remain with him. Be a one-three tree and see the devil flee every time. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your many, many blessings and the power of your word. Your word that we so often just allow dust to collect on, on our coffee tables or bedside tables. That we proudly show off in our foyers of our homes, but maybe never even open and read it. Lord, let this be a call for us as we communicate with you and confess that we need your help against temptations and that we long to be with you and not in the house of the evil one. 
Convict our hearts that the way that we constantly do this and receive that constant nourishment against the constant barrage of, of temptation is, is, is delighting and meditating on your word day and night. For as the hymn, A Mighty Fortress, tells us, one simple word shall fell him, and that word is Jesus Christ. Demons will flee at the sound of your name, for you stand victorious. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.